Shape Moda designs women's trousers to suit everybody's shape to get the perfect fit. Just imagine that as soon as you wear a pair of trousers, they feel like the best piece of clothing ever. Dress for your body shape with Shape Moda and make a huge change in your life now. Go to shapemoda.com and find out which body shape you have. Shape Moda gives you the perfect fit. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about what everyone seems to be talking about, the cost of living crisis. What we're seeing is increases in almost every facet of how we live our lives. So energy and motor costs are continuing to surge. Electricity prices, I think, are up around 41%. Gas prices are up around 57%. Home heating oil, motoring, petrol, airfares, food, you name it. It, the prices are going up. That was Irish Times political correspondent Jen Bray there who was on the podcast today along with two other women who I hope are going to provide a useful and helpful and practical conversation um, around these issues because Irish households and that means a lot of women are facing into the biggest cost of living squeeze in nearly four decades with another significant jump in the official inflation rate. Figures from the Central Statistics Office show consumer prices here rose by an average of 9.1% in the 12 months to June. And we're now up there with Denmark as the most expensive country in the EU for everyday expenses. That's according to a recent survey from bonkers.ie. And by all predictions, the cost of living crisis is only going to get worse. Um, The main drivers, as you know, are energy, fuel and food. So we wanted to have this useful, practical conversation about how we can try and manage our finances during this time. And I'm just very conscious that a lot of our listeners um, will be struggling to various degrees. Um, and there are a lot of people out there giving budgeting tips at the moment. But two of the best women we found on the subject of money are Kel Gallivan, who can be found on Instagram at Mrs. Smart Money HQ. Uh, in 2018, Gallivan left a full time job to spend more time with her kids and to keep her household functioning. Her family's remaining income had to work hard. She began a no-spend year in 2019, reducing her family's annual outgoings by more than 27,000. She also became a financial advisor around that time and has written a book called Mindful Money. And the other woman is Kaz Mooney. She's a mother of three in County Offaly who's been helping people with budgeting, especially around um, their meal times. Her Instagram page shares her personal experience of household budgeting, paying down consumer debt and making affordable family meals. And those affordable family meals, meals for five people for five euro have been flying. Uh, some of them viewed up to a million times. And she's a really great person to talk to at this very difficult time for a lot of people. And of course, Jen Bray is political correspondent with the Irish Times. So three very wise women to talk about this. I hope you find it useful. I actually did. It gave me a lot of things to think about. Um, I think a lot of us aren't good with money necessarily or we have a bit of a fear around it. But the fear doesn't really help and we really have to face into it. So that's that was the kind of tenor of our conversation. And I began by asking Jen to tell us what exactly has led to this cost of living crisis. It's really timely, I think, that we're doing this podcast today, um, literally just a couple of minutes before um, we, we pressed uh, record on this. Uh, there were statistics released from the Central Statistics Office, um, which show the prices have actually now shot up 
at the fastest rate in almost four decades, which is incredible, really. So the, basically what it is, is the consumer price index uh, rose by 9.1% in the year to June. So that's up from 7.8% in the year to May. Um, and what we're seeing is increases in almost every facet of how we live our lives. So energy and motor costs are continuing to surge. Electricity prices, I think, are up around 41%. Gas prices are up around 57%. Home heating oil, motoring, petrol, airfares, food, you name it, it the prices are going up. So the, the reason why we're here now, look, there's a, a lot of people who have different opinions about this and a lot of econom, economists, but I think what it really comes down to, and I hate to bring you all the way back to Brexit, and I'm sure you don't even want to hear the word Brexit in the podcast, but basically it did, that's where it kind of started, I think, because obviously there were supply um, issues afterwards and there were interruptions to the those supply chains. What came on the heels of Brexit was the pandemic, uh, when everything shut down and everything locked down. And then afterwards, when everything reopened, much to everybody's happiness, of course, there was the you know the same thing actually these supply um, chain issues you know all of those links which normally were very well established and ran quite smoothly uh, had broken down and you know I think at the same time then the the thing that really changed the game so much more for the worse obviously was when Putin invaded Ukraine on the twenty fourth of February um, and that was the thing that turned a bad situation in terms of inflation so much worse so right after that oil prices surged around 50 percent gas prices nearly tripled um and people might say well that's just oil and that's just gas you know what does that actually mean the impact that has on inflation across the board it's hard to even uh, um under exaggerate it uh because it impacts on in on everything higher production costs basically for companies they pass those prices on to consumers that is passed on into all sectors, whether it's your household bills, whether it's food, whether it's retail. So what you have had basically is a whole series of unprecedented events which came hot on the heels of each other and then the war in Ukraine. And that's why we are in this situation now where it feels like every single thing we go to buy, every bill that comes in the door, all we need to do is think about something that we need, whether it's getting something fixed, uh, buying something for your children, everything is more expensive. And it's because of those in unprecedented situations that you would see maybe one once every 40 or 50 years. And now we've seen all these things together in a kind of once once in a century uh, uh, event. So it's like this perfect storm of, of happenings that has, has created this situation. And then just Jen, before I could bring in the other women, what would you how would you say the government has responded to, to this crisis? And there's various things they're trying to do. But what, what could you sum them up for us? Yeah, so basically, um, I think the pressures with inflation, obviously, like I said, it's, it's been going on for a while. It's been building up to this. Last year's budget was actually billed as a cost of living budget. Now, this year's budget is being billed as a cost of, of living budget. So what they did at the time were, you know, a, a couple of things that happened in January. I think there was an increase in the minimum wage. There were increases in welfare payments. There were cuts in income tax. Um, and that was what happened at the time. Now, obviously, they've come under a lot of pressure since then to bring in other measures. And they have, I think the latest estimate is spent around 2.4, 2.5 billion between now and the last budget uh, on cost of living measures. I think that's actually more than what they provided for in the budget itself. Um, what's happened is that the opposition have very rightly said that it's not enough because people can't afford it. The problem that the government has is that they, they feel if they keep announcing packages worth 1 billion, 2 billion before the budget itself, they're going to throw fuel on the fire. And look, the 
if I put it at the bottom line as well, they're also really concerned that we can't afford it. There's a huge reliance on corporation tax receipt, half of which is like 8 billion last time I looked, half of which are, you know, could go in a heartbeat. Um, and there's a real reliance there on that. And I think there's there's an anxiety that if they keep increasing welfare payments, if they, um, talking about index linking tax bans and stuff, that would obviously if you index linked it to inflation, that would be a massive difference. Um, and th- their fear is that if they, you know, create this wage spiral, even though there's no evidence of wage spiral so far, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but if they if they throw fuel on the fire, that they're going to be the problem, part of the problem. So now what they've said is, OK, so we're not going to have an emergency budget over the summer. We've, we've already, you know, put in 2.5 billion and that included 200 euro electricity credit um, earlier in the year. Uh, there were cuts on excise um, and an increase in the back to school allowance was the latest uh, measure announced there last week. They're saying, OK, we're not going to have this emergency budget with the opposition are calling for immediately. But what we will do is we'll bring the budget forward from October until September 27th, which I think to a lot of people will probably feel quite meagre. But the doll today goes into recess. I, I'm in the doll today and, and people are dying to get out of here. Um, but, but I think you and I both know that this issue is only going to get worse over the summer. So I think if they think they're off for a nice holiday, that ain't happening. <laughs> well, thank you very much for that. Kel, I want to bring you in here because you have a whole community of people who listen to your financial advice and you have your own story of how you became uh, quite a savvy person in this regard. So first of all, what are your community saying about this? Because I think it is affecting absolutely everybody, except obviously people who are very, very rich and have loads of money, who seem to be getting richer, by the way, uh, seems to be. But anyway, tell us how, how your community are feeling at the moment. You're bang on. Everything Jen said is is spot on. And I think there's a whole generation of people coming up who've never really experienced inflation to any level other than the one, two percent. And even if we've had a couple of periods of deflation in the last decade or so. So to just really just go from level to switching it up to turbo, like that's a very hard thing to get your head around. And particularly when not everybody was in a position to save even during COVID and to come out of COVID and now here we are, you weren't saving in the first place. And even if you did have savings, they're already been soaked up. And now you're trying to figure out how to get food on the table and get the bills paid. And they're starting to make really tough decisions on what they're doing. And a lot of these are families, so they might have mortgage and car loan and interest rates are going up. And it's a very scary time, Roisin. It really is. And trying to get your head around this esoteric thing that is inflation. You know, it's not like it's, it's, it acts like an extra tax, but it's it's not written as a line item in anything. And every time you go to shop in Castle, see this, uh, like every time you go to shop, like the prices are going up for milk, bread, all the basic stuff. And then you're trying to have a holiday and on top of it, maybe something like that. And the prices just seem to be shooting up. But everywhere along the chain is under pressure. It's not just people are putting up prices for the heck of it. They're putting up prices because they kind of have no choice to, because businesses will go out of business if they don't do this. Because a lot of people who who I would be chatting to and would be chatting to on social media would be business owners themselves, like small business owners, and they're struggling. So this whole chain of things going on, and it's, it's very hard on people, a lot of anxiety and a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. Um, and Kaz, you'd be feeling that as well. I mean, you do these brilliant videos with uh, how to feed five people for five euro, which just sounds impossible. But I watch the videos and you do manage it. So what are what, are, what kind of feedback are you getting from people who are addicted to your videos like me? I haven't actually tried any of the recipes, but I just like watching them. I find it quite soothing to know that if I need it, like if I had a fiver, I could feed everybody in the house. Yeah, that's how those videos came about. Um, I was thinking back to times when we were struggling um, to really just find the money to just feed our family that week. 
And um, I remembered one time where I could only find a fiver. Um, and that's how I was able to feed my family that night. Um, but yeah, the feedback I'm getting is sometimes very hard to read. Um, just normal families that are just genuinely struggling. Um, and it's very hard to read. And that sometimes I don't even have all the answers for them. I have to direct them onto MABS or to a financial advisor. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so hard. And I think the most eye-opening thing is it seems to be all sorts of livings. It's not just what you would have seen um, as people who would have needed financial help before. Um, it's people looking for advice now that maybe are on a really good wage, um, but they're just, their expenses are still outweighing what they're coming in with. So um, they're just really struggling. Kel, tell us about your story of coming into this whole financial world, because that's not where you necessarily started off as, but through experience, life experience, you kind of went in that direction. Yes, by accident, I think, more than anything else in circumstance. So anybody who lived through the last recession will probably empathize a bit with my story. But like my, I, I worked in, in corporate, well, a billion, billion years ago. Um, I, I was a scientist. And I worked in corporate for a good few years and I was starting out more or less in my career and we ended up buying a house in the boom, if I remember, 2006 and I was getting the property ladder and we all thought this is the brilliant start. And very quickly, I found myself with a couple of young kids, massive negative equity, a house I couldn't live in, jobs were going left, right and centre. I was hanging on to my own, my fingertips and suddenly we had this six figures of debt that kind of came out of nowhere because I was so naive with money. I didn't understand you know, how to manage money and I just kind of found it this it just suddenly felt really vulnerable really quickly in a way that I could never have predicted or expected very similar echoes of what's happening now where you're trying to do your best you're trying to build something you're trying to you know, stay on the right side of things and move forward and suddenly the rug gets pulled out through no fault of your own and that's the thing with it. And like Kaz was saying, people who would never have struggled for money before are now starting to struggle. And it's not because they've done anything. And that's where I found myself back in the last recession. And I kind of found, I promised myself in that time that I would never let my family be that vulnerable again. So I said, right, let's get to grips with money. And I started teaching myself and getting better. And we, we dragged ourselves out of that slowly, but surely we paid off that negative equity and that debt and we moved on. And I found then over time, I kind of went the other way. I was throwing myself into work and the kids are getting older. And I kind of realized I had no work-life balance at all. So back in 2018, I ended up walking away from my corporate career because I knew there had to be something different. It was a totally different time even compared to now. But I ended up saying that if we were going to cut our income in half because we would have had the typical two household income and all of that. So I was going to make that one income that was left work as hard as it possibly could. And it was a big thing for me because I'd always earned my own money. I'd always had my independence. But I knew in my heart and soul that if I didn't take this time out, like I wanted the time with the kids. I wanted that balance uh, that I would regret it forever. I knew I could always earn money, but I couldn't turn back time. So I made that decision and I embarked on this thing. No spend year, drag the kids, my husband, everything with me through this year. So tell us about no spend year, because I know Kaz also did that crazy sounding thing. But what, what exactly is that? Because some of us might find ourselves having to do that, you know, inadvertently. What is a no spend year? A no spend year is basically a year where you cut all your costs back. 
Um, I know I did out a kind of a set of rules for myself because I am wicked. Unless I have a set of rules, I'll just throw in the towel about two weeks in and go, this is not working. So for that year, I decided I wouldn't buy clothes. I wouldn't drink alcohol. We wouldn't eat out. We did all those things. Um, the food budget, I fed the family of four for less than €100 Euro per week for the entire year. It actually worked out, I think, at €91 Euro something, which probably add inflation onto that now. So I probably wouldn't be able to do it now, to be fair, to the same level. But we, we cut our grocery budget in half and it was very much a focus on food waste and working backwards because we do throw out a lot of food and then cooking from scratch, eating at home, cutting out the takeaways, that sort of thing. But we ended up reducing our outgoings by over €27,000 in that one year alone. And it was done by loads of simple little things just consistently over time. And then we're calling them habits and it became a book. And the book is Mindful Money that you mentioned at the, the outset. And that's what I spend a lot of my time helping people with now. Because a lot of it is, it's about the headspace you're in and kind of going controlling what you can control. And understanding that no matter what your financial situation is, even now, that little steps, small changes, changing a bill, you know, trying to get the grocery budget under control, changing provider, having no spend days, they do add up. They absolutely do. And I think it's heartening to give people a bit of hope that it's not all negative, that there, there are ways through this. And it take pride when you have a day where you do well with money or you've had that little win and just, just acknowledge it for yourself. I think that's really important. I think that is really important. And actually, even just listening to you, I'm very, I'm really bad with money. I'll just throw it out there. Like I, I don't seem to have, a, you know, the capacity for those conversations. And even listening to you, I'm kind of getting a bit, actually, give me the heebie-jeebies a bit, but we're going to, I'm trying to get over that. And I think a lot of people have that feeling. It's, it's fear. It's almost like if I put my head in the sand and don't acknowledge, but I, but I don't think we can do that anymore which is why I'm really glad we're having the conversation. And Kaz, you also did a no spend year. Tell us about your route into all of this. And then Jen, I want to come to you and ask you about how you're getting on with this cost of living crisis as a young woman in Ireland at the moment. But go on, Kaz. Yeah, so just like hell, I had a bit of an eye-opening experience. Um, I had gone back to work and we were suddenly on two incomes. I had taken a career break um, for a number of years and stayed at home with the kids. And I retrained, went back to work, and we were on two incomes. And the first year we did really well. The second year we just blew it all. <laughs> um, went on two holidays, went to Spain as a family, and then went to America, put it all on the credit card. Don't know what we were thinking. Um, went absolutely mad. Came home and went, oh, we really need to try and get a house. How are we going to do that with all of this debt? Um, we had been renting for years and uh, we were afraid. Afraid because we could see the rental market was getting squeezed. There was very few houses left available for rent in our area. And this, we knew this, this was our chance. We were able to save now and we mightn't be in the future. Um, so yeah, we decided at the start of 2019 that we would do a no spend year for the entire year. Exact same as Kel, very similar idea. Um, we just cut out all the unnecessaries. Um, we still bought clothes for the kids if they outgrew, but we tried to um, go secondhand, go to charity shops, um, look online, and we did no takeaways. Um, we said no to um, anything that was going to really jeopardize um, our saving that year. And um, 
we started saving really well. We cleared our credit card in January. We saved for the rest of the year. In April, we were told the house we were living in um, was going to be sold. So we, we had the wheels, the fire under us to keep going. And um, we found a house then in the summer. And um, yeah, by November, we were in that house. So um, it was a fantastic lesson for our family, for our kids. We had them in on all the journey and we shared everything with them. But uh, yeah, a fantastic year. Um, difficult, very difficult, as I'm sure Kel will say. Um, it sounds probably easier in some ways than it is, but it, you know, it's a fantastic tool. It absolutely is amazing. This podcast is brought to you by shapemoda.com. Log on today to find your perfect fit. Um, Jen, bringing you in here, uh, just as I said, as a young woman in Ireland at the moment, how are you experiencing the cost of living crisis? And generally just the housing crisis is something that's affecting so many people and not just younger people either. It's all people of all ages. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely noticed. Um, I mean, how could I not? Like if, when you get your, you know, used to be when you get paid, I used to feel like temporarily rich for a day and pretend I have loads of money. Oh my God, I don't need to worry. Now I feel like rich for five seconds or not even. I'm like, I feel okay for an hour and I'm like, oh God. But like, I mean, I'm a bit, I was a bit like you, Roshi, until last year. I would just be like, oh, it'd be grand. And then I realized it's not grand anymore. Um, and I just basically had to sit down and go, okay, what is the story here? And what I realized was I'd taken out loads of subscriptions to things. Like I I was just like, oh, calm.com. I'm feeling really anxious. Must pay 70 euro for that. How will I get through the day without that? Or like, you know, I'd have a bottle of wine on a Wednesday night because, you know, it's hard being a Polkor. And it's like, had to cut that out by and large, not always. Um, But even stuff like instead of going to the gym or paying, I do these hit workouts at home now. Um, little things like that I've changed like um, instead of going for a coffee every morning I just make an instant coffee I used to be like oh instant coffee is horrible it's no it's not that bad Jen it is horrible I don't think you should I don't think any of us should ever have to go like if we're drinking instant coffee the world is seriously messed up no (laughs) I'm not ruling out the fancy ones but like little things like that actually I think it's fine but like things like that like have definitely made a difference like I was lucky in that I bought a house um, just before things went crazy uh, just right before things went upwards, you know, around five or six years ago. And what I've done since then is kind of keep going back to the mortgage and I put on a fixed rate and I was really glad that I've done that kind of long term now. So little things like that, like actually sit down and be like, I don't need four subscriptions. You know, what what streaming service do I actually watch? I don't need all these coffees. I don't need all these things that I say I need to get through the day. So basically um, what Kyle was saying is being just more mindful with cash. But what I would say is in terms of the housing crisis, um, a lot of my friends uh, my age, I'm, I'm, I actually wonder what age am I there, 33. A lot of my friends who are my age haven't, they don't have a house and they don't have a hope of getting on the housing market. They, I mean, they really don't. And it really, really depresses me to see friends who are spending more, my you know, family members are spending as well, more than €2,000 on a small apartment cooped in together, working from home, like no capacity to save. It was like this before inflation. It's 10 times worse now. Well, 9.1 times is worse now. And, you know, the fact that even the, the policies that are in place at the moment, let's say one of my family members, like they 
spend that money and even though they have consistently paid it every single month it won't count towards you know a deposit or or being able to get a loan for that and, and stuff like that just boggles my mind um so i i do think that and i think as well we have a poll this morning in the irish times um which shows exactly how people are feeling about inflation and the cost of living crisis not good for the government put it that way yeah um, okay, well, I it, it is a grim picture, but I think, Kel, you mentioned that it's important to keep um, hope, right? And I think something that Jen said there, I really relate to, and I'm sure everyone listening will. You have a great tactic of, um, you, you print out your bank statements and look through them with this red, orange and green code. And I was just thinking, listening to Jen, I have this subscription to a bloody teach yourself piano thing that I accidentally paid for the year. And I don't even want to tell you how much I think it is. I'm like, have I used it once? Have I tried to teach myself piano? No. And I know there's other things there, but I'm a bit afraid to look at my statement. But I think this is, could you talk us through that as a kind of starting point? If someone wants to kind of really look, um, as Jen said about the nitty gritty of what, what we're spending and the things we don't really need. And you've got a great system for that. Tell us about it. Absolutely, Roisin. So I, I call it the money audit, which can sound like a scary thing, but it is not. It is not. Because what, what I would love people to do when it comes to managing their money is start with the easy wins. And the money audit is a good way of finding them. So like what you, you gave a good intro there. So basically get your, your bank statement and you print it off. You get your either your own or grab your kids' highlighters, your green one, your amber one, your your red one, and sit down with a cup of tea or something stronger if you need to, and you start going through it. And uh, which is if, if you find something that you, you have to pay, like your mortgage, like the good things that are going out, the keep roof over your head and that sort of stuff, that's green. Okay, so it's the broadband, whatever, they're they're green, you're keeping those. And then there'll be certain things that that you know that are kind of you could be doing better with so like if you haven't switched electricity provider or you need you need to give a ring to them and just see what you can do put those in amber that's something you can do about and then the red ones are the ones where you go I don't even remember buying that they're the ones that are you know you're scrolling on a Friday night you're tired you're bored you're fed up you suddenly see this deal that's there and you want this shiny thing you never even knew existed like five minutes before that and you end up clicking and getting it and it rocks up to your to your door like the next Tuesday and you're like I don't remember getting this thing at all those things they're the red things and you mightn't even get to open it yet that's the stuff that you don't necessarily need that you wouldn't miss if you never bought in the first place so the idea behind this audit is to try and reduce the amount of red things that are highlighted each month when you print off your statement. And if you focus on those kind of things, you can still have your quality of life for the most part, but you're you're going to be cutting out the things that don't matter or you forget about or end up in landfill in six months and you still get to keep the things that are worthwhile. So like Jen mentioned, the subscriptions, you could have potentially, pretend you have five or six subscriptions, but you might only use one or two. When they just cancel those, get the extra 10 euro back a month into your pocket. Like if you cancel a few six subscriptions and you cancel four of them, that's 40 euro a month. That pays your phone. That pays, you know, another big bill or some money towards savings or credit card or whatever. And you won't miss them. And that's the beauty of the audit. And it's worth doing, particularly at the beginning, every month or so. And then even with the amber ones, you know, you go back and go, I changed electricity provider this month. That feels good. Or I changed my phone provider and I've saved myself this amount. And all those little bits, you just do that all the time. You'll free up a huge amount of money. So you will. And that can just go towards trying to balance out the other stuff, take the pressure off, bring the anxiety down. 
And you also feel a bit more in control. Yeah, it does sound like it sounds wonderful. Would you come over to my house and do it for me? Because that's the only thing we're actually going to do. But uh, the other thing you, you say is about a sinking fund that you should create that. Tell us about that. Yes, these are very useful things. So it takes a little bit of discipline to get started. And you can kind of feel it's a bit tough at first because you're putting money aside, but it is so worthwhile. So a sinking fund, it's like a little savings fund. So just think of it like a little bucket of savings, but it's for a really specific purpose. So you could be something like your car insurance. It could be for Christmas. It could be for the kids come back to school. But it's a chunk of money that you know you're going to need every year usually. And it can if you if you don't have the money there, it can really set you backwards and it can be quite stressful because you will have higher expenses for these things. So a sinking fund is where you say, look, OK, my car insurance is this amount. Um, let's just say it's 600 euro in a year. And each month, what you'll do is you'll put maybe 50 euro aside in that little sinking fund for the car insurance so that by the time your car insurance comes around, you have the money there for it. And the key to it is keep that fund for that one specific purpose. Don't be tempted to kind of dip in and go, oh, look, I love a takeaway or the Wednesday like bottle of wine or whatever it is. Like it has to be kept for that. But the feeling of achievement when you're able to say car insurance got you sorted, done, didn't miss a beat. It feels amazing. And, and you just put that 50 euro aside again for next year, each month. And it's easier to manage when you do it that way because it's, it's a smaller amount as opposed to this massive big chunk that could just knock a hole in anybody's finances and just set you back for ages afterwards. And it, it also lessens the chances of you needing to lean on credit and credit is expensive and you don't want to be going down that route if you don't have to. That's br- brilliant advice. And Kaz, I want to come to you about the, the food aspect, because that's what you do and it's what you really specialize in. Can you tell us some really, you know, easy swaps or things that you've noticed that that people are really responding to in terms of your five me- five people for five euro um, videos, yeah. which are brilliant. A lot of what I try to do is talk more about um, switching away from branded foods. Um, some of the biggest savings you can make as well is to uh, prepare for your food shop. So um, making a list, um, checking all the cupboards and into the freezer and see if there's anything you actually need. Um, like you don't want to be coming home with multiples. Um, so like I know I was a devil for buying chopped tomatoes and before I knew it, I had like a whole cupboard full of chopped tomatoes. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's important to kind of look at them and see if there's any meals you can make from what you already have. And that can be some of your meals towards the next week then. Um, and then I meal plan um, my week ahead. So um, I will decide what I'm having when and I'll be pretty flexible um, it doesn't necessarily have to be every night is what I've written on the list um, and I think it's also important to have quick meals that are kind of ready to go and you can just throw it on um, because that's when you're tempted to have that takeaway um, I, I often think a lot about trying to um, swap and have fakeaways or quick meals that are nice um, so you're less tempted with that takeaway and um, yeah, it's about looking and seeing where's the best deals. Um, most supermarkets now have um, a value section on their fruit and veg. So you can include that in your meals for the week. Um, and they'll often have some special offers on their meats. So you can have a look at that. And um, yeah, you can plan then around that. And then I go into the supermarket with my list and um, I also tot up my bill as I go around on a calculator. Do um, you? 
I do. Yeah, because I, I'm a cash budgeter, so I bring in um, the money for that shop in cash, um, which is another way of saving money. You're saying that you take out your cash that you're going to need for the week for your spending your, on your food. You don't use your card then? Nope. I um, only use my card for bills and direct debits. Um, I leave the money in my account for them. And I just take out the rest of my uh, variable spending in cash. Um, that's just another way I can kind of reduce my impulse spending um, because it's all in categories. Um, so if I know I'm going to do a food shop, I'll take out enough for that food shop. I might bring a little bit more just in case there's a few bargains that week. Um, and I'll bring that in to the shop with me. And that's why it's spotted up when I'm walking around. Ah. I usually know what it is to the cent nearly at the till. <laughs> that's incredible. And, and you know, you know, in terms of them, um, like you're nodding there, Jen, is that something that wouldn't have occurred to you either? Because I think that cash thing's really good. If you've only got that amount of money, that's all you can spend, right? No, that's what I do. I do the same thing. I go around. I don't have a calculator now, but I do kind of go, okay, 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 okay. Uh, somehow when I get to the till, it's like, what? That's not what I added up. But I do try, I try. No, it's good. And so, um, Kaz, what are the most popular meals that you've done, the ones that have had the most feedback or are the ones that people respond to the most? Um, probably the ones with um, a lot more ingredients um, always do really well. So um, I did one recently and that had six ingredients for the five euro. Um, and that was um, a mushroom stroganoff. Um, and another one that's done really well, it's actually just reached a million views. Um, yeah. <laughs> crazy in Ireland um yeah and that is a vegetarian lasagna I think that's one of the first ones I saw of yours it's actually really clever and it, it, it's done it in a different way than you usually make lasagna as well I think. yeah I was trying to keep down the washing up <laughs> so that's what the thinking was behind that um yeah I just stuck everything into the one pan and it's funny because I just completely winged that one um, but a lot of them are usually recipes that we just have ourselves. Because you're not a chef, like you're not, that's not your training. You're just, you're a home cook like the rest of us kind of thing. Definitely not a chef. Didn't even do home ec in school. Um, so yeah, anything is from my, what my mum taught me and from just winging it over the years, you know. Um, so yeah, she was always very good in the kitchen. So I was blessed that way. Now, the, the two of you have kids. What are your children? How do your children get affected by the fact that you're, I mean, it sounds like, I mean this in a good way. You're both quite obsessed, right? With, with this sort of budgeting and saving. Has it created an anxiety in them, do you think? Um, no. Yeah, no. Um, uh, my daughter, she's just turned 12 and she is one of the best people with money ever. She she already is asking questions about investing. She's managing her money. She buys all her own stuff. She has she she bought her own tablet. It, it, even though I, I I told her I told her when she was eight that you're not allowed to have a tablet. And I thought I would put her off by saying, well, if you're really really gonna want one, you're gonna have to pay for it yourself. And she saved up all her money. She asked for her birthday stuff in cash. She built it all up. She even had a local raffle in our area to get the last little bit of money. She's thriving on this. Absolutely thriving. And it's, 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 I suppose it's the way that you bring money into the house as an open conversation, not, a, not from a place of fear, but from a place of this is something that 
helps make life work. This is something if you manage it properly, you can have the things you want, but you have to be careful with it and use it as such, as opposed to holding onto it very tightly. So it is, and, and starting them early with maybe pocket money and chores and a couple of things like that, just, just to make it more normal and to have conversations in the house about money. Not necessarily, oh, this is super expensive, but look, prices are rising. We need to be careful or bring like bring them shopping with you when you're doing the shopping and go you, so they can see the prices rising up like I do bring I bring one child it's kind of my rule I can't handle the two at the same time in the shop but some some of the shops have the scanners and I get them to do the scanning so they see the prices coming up and it becomes more normal to them so so far so good ask me in 10 years if it's actually worked or no not. <laughs> I'm really impressed by that that whole tablet story is amazing and what about your children Kaz they have a similarly similar, sensible yeah, yeah. Um, my 12 year old has just bought a gaming PC, um, which I don't know if you are familiar with the prices of gaming PCs, but um, yeah, it's over a thousand and that is a hundred percent his savings. Um, and he has saved that from, he has a little mini side hustle of his own. Um, he sells eggs with his sister. Sells eggs. Where do the eggs come from? We have chickens. <laughs> Wow, that's and, his little egg business. Yeah, so um, as long as he... Um, I'm feeling the- parentally very uh, like a failure <laughs> at the moment. I just want to say my children do not have businesses. They haven't saved up for me. They do have a post office account. Okay, that's something I suppose. Yeah, we got chickens in COVID. I was begged for chickens and I agreed as long as they fed them. And so uh, they're allowed to sell off the eggs if they want to. So a few very generous neighbours around us um, have helped them with their little side hustle there and then he mows a few lawns and things like that and then confirmations and pocket money just like hell I do pocket money with them um they have a few chores and if they do them then they are allowed to spend some and save some and uh, they also give some so um yeah so like they they have a great relationship with money um they have been saving for a long time um and they actually asked me lots of questions about it um i was listening to them in the car um only last week they were talking about what would you do if you won a million euro and um they were say my my uh, son asked my daughter and she said oh i'll pray, i'll bring everyone out for dinner and i was thinking that's great <laughs> that's about that's not very generous jesus yeah and she said i'll put the rest in the credit union and then my son went i'll bring out everyone for dinner i might buy a gaming setup and then i'll invest it you shouldn't leave it in the credit union and i was thinking jeez my god (laughs) i was gonna say you've created monsters but they're not monsters they're amazing money people and i'm so impressed and you're actually giving me so much to think about i mean jen i wouldn't have grown up with any talk about money that's the thing i think about and you know when i'm listening to both of you I'm really thinking I mean you know my mother was great in so many ways but she's a bit like me on the money front as well we're a little bit like airy fairy and don't really engage but I have a sister who's an actuary who'd be absolute opposite and her children are more like what you're talking about because they've been having those conversations so you're actually encouraging me to think about you know making more of an effort to talk in a in a in a more realistic way about money and not be afraid of it because I mean when they ask me things about the mortgage or how much it is or how much the house costs I almost feel like embarrassed to talk to them about money and I don't know where that comes from Jen do you know what I'm saying like were you brought up in a house where you could talk about money that way 
Well, like when I was growing up, um, look, I originally I grew up on a council estate in the south inner city, so wouldn't have been very well off at all. And my parents, they, they worked so hard, you know, they set up a, a computer business, they bought the house and they sold it and they moved down to extra. You know, I'm from a really big family of 10 kids. So with that many children, there, I, there was always, you know, a lot of talk of money, not in a negative way, just in a kind of, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. Don't expect everything to be handed to you. And I actually think that I appreciate that because it gave me, you know, it gave me the appreciation to go out on my own when I was 18. You know, I wanted to start working as, as quickly as I could at 16 because I wanted to do those things like buy my own, you know, if I wanted a nice jacket, I didn't want my mom to have to go out and spend whatever she didn't have just because I wanted something. I wanted to be able to do that for myself. So it's definitely given me this kind of independence because I think it is good for kids. I, I, you know, there's a line, I think, between, you know, stressing them out. Obviously, you don't want to be saying, you know, we've we've no money. What are we going to do? You know, but like equally, I think it's it's good to like impress upon children if possible. Like money doesn't grow on trees. If there's something lovely that you'd like, why don't you work for it? You know, see, you know, not like, you know, get out there and work 12 hours a day. But if you want it, go and get it. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah, I've actually found this very, very useful. You're really bringing it home to me where I'm, where I'm failing, but where I can maybe be better. Can we? <laughs> thank you. Can we bring it back to the crisis? Because, you know, I'm really conscious listening to you, Kaz, about the feedback you're getting from your people who watch your videos. Some dark stories, really hard to read this. And really, people are struggling at the moment. So I suppose maybe uh, looking at that, that Kel coming to you and we'll go to everybody what what is it that people can do or and people who are despairing like what are some practical things that maybe might help uh those people yeah absolutely okay if anybody is stressed out one of the first things that they that they should do if they can is figure out where they are financially first because sometimes if when you see everything that's going on and you hear inflation you hear rising prices and your wages aren't going up and it can be very very stressful but information is powerful. So figure out what you know, what loans you have, what income you have, where your money's going. Like do that money audit, like genuinely do. Because just like if you think of Google Maps and you're putting everybody knows Google Maps, I hope everybody knows Google Maps. Um, and you you can, you want to go, okay, I want to go to this place. Well, before Google Maps will tell you where to go, you need to put in your current location. And once you put in your current location, you can go anywhere. So anybody who is starting out and if you are getting stressed, first of all, figure out if where you are, because you may not be as bad off as you think when you have all the numbers down. And when you have all the numbers down, that's a starting point for figuring out how you're going to get through this. So absolutely, anybody who's starting out, take a big, deep breath, figure out where you are, and then just take small little steps, small little steps. They'll feel good. They're manageable and they have massive compounding impacts down the line. That's great advice. And Kaz, what about you? What What do you say to people? And when you, I suppose you can't get back to everyone, but is there some advice that you're giving out at the moment to people who are? I, I try to get back to everyone, um, but yeah, I don't know how you no. have any time making all those bloody meals. <laughs> uh, yeah, I try to make it as simple as I can um, because I know when I first started, like it seems so overwhelming, and um, you definitely just want to stick your head in the sand if it's like you're hearing all these terms and sometimes you can hear people doing great and you're like, that's great for them, but you don't know what I'm dealing with. Um, but I try and really just break it down. Look at where your money's going. Um, so look at last month, see what went where and see if you can reduce anything. 
Um, like I not, definitely noticed reducing subscriptions and things like that really helped. Um, even though it felt like 10 euro here and, you know, it felt like it wasn't going to do anything. Um, and then I would just start trying to change things. And I'd say it takes about three months to really start noticing uh, a real difference. But like, give yourself time. Don't just expect it all to change the first week. Um, and take that time to slowly start turning the wave. Um, and it does take time. Like if you even can find an extra fiver to save towards um, paying off a little bit more debt or um, making an emergency fund so that something isn't going to knock you off your journey, um, it all really adds up. And um, I try to tell people like every little bit is going to make a big difference, even if it doesn't feel like that at the time. Um, and yeah, it's, it's taking those little steps and changing your attitude towards it all. It really is. That is the difference you're going to make. Like, And Kaz, just because we're the women's podcast and the reason I wanted to have this conversation was because I think a lot of these things we're talking about, I mean, obviously they affect men as well, but a lot of the time, and I'm sure you see it with the people who are watching your videos, the people who are making those decisions in households, the people who are maybe making the meals, don't want to generalize too much. Uh, a lot of those are, are women. So are you finding that that it's it's particularly a, a, an anxiety among women at the moment around this? Yeah, well. Over 80% of my followers are women, and I'm sure Kel has probably a very similar figure. Um, and a lot of the time they are the people who are doing a food shop, and they are often the people who ha are managing finances. Um, now, obviously not always. Um, but yeah, like it's, a, it's often falling to them to take on this burden, this stress, as well as trying to run the family, maybe working as well. And it can seem so overwhelming for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely noticing it is a lot of women reaching out to me for sure. And Kel, would you find that as well? Yeah, like as I would be far and away, I think it's I'm nearly 90% women that follow me. And I find that a lot of them, they, they might have businesses, they're moms, they're trying to run everything together. And I think sometimes we forget that like we are the first generation of women that you know could be fully educated, that could work outside the home. And I'm sure you know this, you know, the, the marriage bar was only lifted in the late 70s and a woman could only own a house in 1976. So as good as our moms were, they didn't necessarily have the skills to hand down to us. And then we rocked into the 80s and 90s with this, we can get educated, we can have this, wow, we, we can have it all. And we're still trying to find that balance without necessarily having the support to go along with it. So it's it's a it can be a bit stressful, it can be very overwhelming, but take heart. It like we are learning, and this is just the first wave of women that are are on this path. So it's a scary path, but it's being laid for all the other women coming after us. And and but and not just for women, but but for for the guys as well, because it's a whole new world for them too. And when we figure out that balance, it's going to be really positive. Um, thank you so much. And Jen, just final word on that. You you started this conversation by outlining the various things, including Ukraine and inflation and all the reasons that we are where we are. Are there any um, silver linings on the political front? I mean, these things don't last forever. And I think when you listen to someone like David McWilliams or other you know economists, there's always it's that cycle. It's that ebb and flow. We have to know that we'll come to a, a better time again. But in the meantime, any any silver linings, any hopeful political sort of murmurings as you have your last day in the doll there today um i wish it was the last day of work <laughs> i'll be in here they won't i will be um 
I actually think it's going to be really, really difficult for you. It must not end on a negative. No, I actually do have one positive thing to say after this. So don't worry. It's not all negative. I think it will be a very difficult few months um, for, you know, it's difficult. The main people who it's difficult for are the people who are out there living. You know, it's not anyone's concern that it's going to be a hard few months for the government. People would say, oh, God, love them. That's their job. But just speaking on a polit- in a political sense, it will be. I think that this, they would really hope that inflation would have dipped by now. And it hasn't. And it's staying, and not only is it staying very high, it's hitting record levels. Um, and I think this will continue all the way through. The winter, I think we'll have an energy crisis in the winter. And like, I, I definitely feel that the worst is yet to come for this particular coalition. Um, but what they're hoping is that sometime towards next spring, that that inflation um, peak does genuinely start to fall. And then that pressure will start to ease on people. And what they want to do is they say, we don't want to add to inflation. We want to tame it. And that requires kind of policies outside of Ireland, across Europe. Um, it's not just about what they can do. In the budget. And the one thing I was going to say that was positive that I found really helpful, and people probably already know about this, but I didn't know about this until recently. If you go into your iPhone, if, if you have an iPhone, and go into settings, there is an actual tab in there for subscriptions. And it has all your subscriptions out one by one, and you can just press cancel, 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 cancel. And you might go, oh, what if I need ca- ca- the Calm app at four in the morning? You'll, you'll be fine. Just do some breathing exercises. <laughs> do you know what I mean? What if I need to do uh, teach myself piano at three o'clock in the morning when I've the simple piano and I haven't got my app anymore? Honestly, I don't know. I mean, what if what do I need to do when I need to like listen to Joe Wick's body coach workout at 7 a.m., which I never, ever did. Uh, did I ever do any of those workouts? No. There's another app actually, which is very, very good. It's called Fit. But anyway, that's what I would suggest. That's my one tip. That is a good tip. And I didn't actually know that I'm going to go re- immediately after this conversation into that app or into that thing and just delete, delete, delete. But um, thank you all very much, because I think this, as as you said, Kel, it is a scary thing sometimes if you're not used to talking about these things. But I think the more we're honest and open about it and we're not ashamed and we don't feel try not to feel scared and try and face into what we're dealing with, then it can only be good. But just definitely, I, I mean, my heart goes out to all the people who are really struggling. I think we're all feeling a little bit, but definitely some people are feeling it a lot more and I'm very conscious of that you know even among our listeners there'll be people who are really in difficult situations you're hearing it Kaz as well um, but anyway just thank you all for, for what you're doing and, and you Jen as well for keeping an eye on it politically for us and telling us what's going on and I have to recommend your book um, Kel and also then uh, just the, the five meals for a five euro unbelievable like it's brilliant Kaz and what are you working on at the moment just to finally what's your what's your meal that you're conjuring up for us oh I'm I'm I can't give away next week's meal now <laughs> um I'll be working on that now tomorrow I love the way it's like a state secret this is brilliant <laughs> yeah I get asked I get messages asking me come on do you tell me. <laughs> guys I'm gonna ring you after and I'm gonna leak it in the Irish Times <laughs> Excellent. Brilliant. Well, listen, well, maybe you can come on again um, in maybe October, November when, you know, and, and as you said that the energy crisis, Jen, is probably yeah more than likely going to happen and, and, and we can, can have another chat about where, where we're at. Um, it's been really brilliant talking to you all. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That's all we have time for. Uh, I know you're going to want to find those two women. So Kaz Mooney and those great Instagram budget meals can be found on Instagram at Irish Budgeting. And then Kel Gallivan 
is also on Instagram at Mrs. Smart Money HQ. And you can read Jen Bray's reports as always on politics in irishtimes.com. The podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, by Suzanne Brennan and Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. Mind yourselves and mind your money. And I will talk to you next time. <laughs>